chapter 13 verse 11 the Bible actually reveals and actually reads that to you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom the Lord Jesus was actually revealing to us revealing to uh, uh, disciples that to them they have been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom which actually means the kingdom uh, actually has secrets. The kingdom actually has mysteries that we can get to know. Now, inter interesting, it, it actually says to you, it has been given to know the mysteries. So the mysteries have been made available, but it's up to you and I to know them. Amen and amen. That's why we are asking Muziva, do you know? Hallelujah. Do you know them? Today we're going to look at Colossians chapter number 1, verse 26 to 27. Colossians chapter number 1, verse 26 to 27. And I shall quickly read it so that 
you can understand. I know some of you have got different versions, but I'll be reading it from the, the New King James Version. Colossians chapter number 1, verse 26 and verse 27. Verse 26, the Bible reads, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to the saints. I'm going to end there. Very interesting. The Bible is talking about a mystery that has been hidden from generations. It's been hidden for so many years. It's been hidden for a very long time. Meaning this mystery was actually put in place so many years ago. It was a plan that was put in so many years ago. It's been hidden from generation to generation. But then the Bible says, but it has been revealed to the saints. It has been revealed to the believers. Yet again, it takes me back to the point that there are some that know and others that do not know. There is a mystery that has been given to a them, but to a some it has not been. Hallelujah. There is a mystery that has been made available to a them. It has been made available to the saints of God. It has been made available to the believers. And if it has been made available to the believers and not to the non-believers, meaning there is something that the believers actually get to understand and get to know which non-believers do not know about. Now what is this mystery that has been hidden? What is this mystery that has been revealed to the saints of God? Verse 27. To them God willed to make known... Oh, sorry. Yeah. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery amongst the Gentiles, the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory to God. So he says there's a mystery that has been revealed to the saints. He says there's a mystery that has been revealed to the believers. He says there's a mystery which was hidden for ages. And then he says this mystery that has been revealed to the saints is Christ in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now before he even reveals this mystery, he says this. He says, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Meaning getting to know this mystery has so many riches and benefits. There's, there's a richness in this mystery. <laughs> Hallelujah. Knowing this mystery is not something ordinary. Being made available to know this mystery is something extraordinary. It carries a great richness. And that's why he says this mystery is Christ in me, the hope of glory. My goodness, Christ inside of me, the hope of glory. We're going to break down the scripture. Yeah. We're going to work it out. Can we work it out? Wonderful. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now for you to actually understand the riches of this mystery, allow me to take you back to the origin. Allow me to take you back to how it was initially. Because it's talking about Christ in me. And you, I believe, everyone does understand 
Christ lives in each and every one of us, right? Yeah. But then it's just not enough. Just say, oh, no, he lives in me. You really need to understand the, the depth and the depth of Christ actually living inside of you. Amen and amen. Okay, so let's go to the origin. Was it so before? It was not so before. It was not so before that Christ was actually living in us. The origin, we're going to, for us to look at the origin, and uh, we're, we're actually going to look at the old covenant. I'm, I'm going to show you how uh, uh, God's presence dwelt amongst men. Now, in the old covenant, of course, God actually chose his, his nation as Israel. And it's quite interesting when Moses begins to lead Israel in Exodus chapter number 25, God gives an instruction to Moses. He says, go and tell the Israelites that you are going to build something. You're going to make something. And something that they were going to make is what is known as the Ark of the Covenant. Other people will call it the Ark of the Testimony. Now this Ark of the Covenant was so designed, it was a heavenly design. It was so designed that it was, it, it, I, I can say it was a connotation of God's presence. Amen and amen. This Ark of the Covenant that was made, it was made in a specific design. God actually says, this Ark of the Covenant that you're going to make, you're going to use acacia wood, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. He actually designed it a certain way. And he designed it in a certain way that if you've, if you've actually even seen images of it, you will see cherubims, you know, on each side of, of this Ark. Amen and amen. Now this Ark of the Covenant used to be placed in what is known as a tent of meeting or a tabernacle. Hallelujah. Don't worry if it, this is strange to you. This, this all, this, I, I, I'm not going to actually go deep into it, but I'll just try to be as basic as I can. So this ark, okay, which was a connotation of God's presence, used to be placed in the tabernacle. And the only ones, the only ones that could carry this ark were the priests. And they had to be in uniform. <laughs> Very interesting. So, from here, you can actually see, you can actually understand that the ark being placed in a tent of meeting was actually symbolizing that God was going to dwell with man hallelujah it was actually symbolizing that God was dwelling with man hmm. someone is not catching it it was actually symbolizing that God was dwelling with man in short there was a certain desire that God wanted to get closer and closer to man he, he, he really wanted to get to man so he started by coming closer to him, by dwelling with man. And you can actually see from the scriptures, when the Ark of the Covenant dwelt with men, my goodness, Israel was actually feared. They feared it. 
Israel was a great nation because God backed up Israel. And that's why you will notice that even when, when, when Joshua, do you know that when Joshua and Israel were going out to face Jericho, even before they, they faced Jericho, what did they do? They came across River Jordan. And it seemed like, ah, remember last time we found the Red Sea. But this time, Joshua instructed the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant and go ahead of them. And when they carried the Ark of the Covenant, the priests only had to step in the waters and the waters had to part. Without any declaration whatsoever. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant was a connotation of God's presence being with them. So the waters had to part. When they faced Jericho, they were round in the city, round in the city with mighty men. But on that last day, they said, hey, Jen, carried the Ark of the Covenant, rounded it once more, made a great shout, and the walls of Jericho that were highly built and strong came down to nothing. This, this is something that occurred when God was with them. He did great and mighty things. Amen and amen. But you see, God's ultimate plan was not necessarily for God to remain just with them. Oh, Lord, help me. That was not his ultimate plan for him to just remain just with them. I'm going to show you. And so, while this mystery is being at work, God just decides to send someone here on earth to change certain arrangements. And he says, I'm going to name this one Emmanuel, meaning God who is with us. But the one who is sending us Emmanuel is on another mission. <laughs> I'm working this out. So this Emmanuel comes and he's on another mission. And he dwells with men here on earth. He begins, he begins to do his work. But then he says something very interesting. Let's read what Jesus begins to now start talking to his disciples. Let's go to John chapter number 14. John chapter 14. And we'll start from verse 15. Are you there? Okay, I believe not. John 14, and we'll start from verse 15. Jesus now is beginning to speak to his disciples. Listen very carefully. Don't miss this out now. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Then verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. All right. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to pray that the Father gives you another helper that will abide with you forever. Then he begins to reveal them in verse 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. So the world smells him about this spirit of truth. Amen and amen. Then in, 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 then, then he says this the world whom cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him he says, but you know him ah. 
How do you know him? Jesus is like he's confusing us now here. He's saying, I'm sending someone to you. Amen. I'm sending someone to you who will dwell forever. Then he says, this one, the world doesn't know him, but you, you know him. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus. But you know him for he dwells with you. You are sending someone, then again, you're telling us. Hallelujah. That's why there are certain gymnastics that need to be worked out in the word of God for you to understand it. Because sometimes you say, ah, Jesus, he's saying, this one that I'm sending, the world cannot receive him. The world doesn't know him. But you know him because he is dwelling with you. Who was dwelling with them? <laughs> he says, because he dwells with you. Then he goes on to say, and will be in you. He's trying to say, look, 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 look. This one, this helper that I'm sending, is not someone that will just dwell with you. This one that will come and abide with you forever will now begin to dwell in you. Meaning, my goodness, meaning your body, your temple becomes his new address now. Glory to God. Okay, okay, okay. Fine, the disciples are hearing. Now he will be in you. Then he says this. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus, you just told us you are going, you send someone, he's, we know him, he is with us, and then he will be in us. You're saying, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Lord, where are you? Are you there? Are you going? Are you coming? It's a mystery. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he reveals something concerning this mystery. And he reveals the coming of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. He reveals that this Spirit of the Lord that dwells in you shall be, he, he, he shall be with you and he shall be in you. No wonder when you read the Bible in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is actually called the Spirit of Christ. Meaning, <laughs> by virtue of the Spirit of the Lord living in you, God lives in you himself. Jesus lives in you. That's why he's called what? The spirit of what? God. So who's living in you? God. So he was getting closer. But he knew because he was with you, this, even though you're like this, he felt, ah, distancing. This distance is too much. I need to get closer. And the closest way I can get to this person is living inside of them. <laughs> Glory to God. And that's what Jesus comes to achieve. Emmanuel, he dwells with them, but he changes. <laughs> he changes the whole arrangement. He now begins to dwell inside of them. Hallelujah. It's a mystery. It's a mystery for God, for Christ Jesus to dwell inside of you. It is a great mystery. It is a great benefit. Amen and amen. That's why the Bible says the riches, you need to know the riches of this mystery. Now, 
question is do you know the riches of Christ dwelling inside of you come on listen ha Christ the one who came upon the earth the one who John the Baptist saw and said behold the lamb of the world who is to take away all sins of mankind is here the one who the Pharisees rebuked the one who was mocked the one who was taken to the cross the one who on the cross hung there for your sake and said it is finished the one who actually died and after 3 days rose again in glory and then says i have chosen you to be my home hmm what is the mystery Let's look a few look let's look at a few benefits. Let's look at a few benefits of having Christ in us. The hope of glory. Number 1. Christ in you. Benefits. You achieve and experience victory. Have you observed I'm going to be giving I'm going to be giving a uh, comparisons with how the ark of the covenant was working in the old testament have you observed that when the ark of the covenant a connotation of god's presence was actually uh, uh, moving with them in the old testament have you observed that these guys actually experienced a lot of victory they did they experienced so so much victory that other nations feared them other nations even avoided fighting with them they said ah are these the ones who serve god who delivered them from egypt amen and amen even the even the israelites themselves even the israelites themselves because the ark of the covenant was with them eh, they felt very safe they felt very safe such that when they went out towards jericho that had mighty men the bible says jericho had mighty men of valor <laughs> it had mighty men of war it had great it had great wars but because they went with the lord's presence they went with the ark they were assured of victory they were assured of victory nothing was difficult for them Amen and amen why because God moved with them Now there's a difference between God actually moving with you now a re- new reality is you actually carrying God hey hey meaning meaning you can't leave him because the ark of the covenant kunyamula now this time wherever you are going God is not remaining behind. He's in you. Whether you are going this side, he's there. Whether you are going there's not a tower God nothing. He's in you. You carry him everywhere you go. How much victory can you attain when you carry the God of heaven inside of you? I'm telling you. You experience great victory. That's why I'll tell you this. Even when Israel began to sin and began to, you know, misbehave, when they were fighting against the Philistines, 
the Philistines actually beat up the Israelites because of their sin and their their wickedness and they like the Philistines beat up the Israelites oh, yeah. so what so what did the Israelites do one of the the priests two, two of the priests the sons of Eli decided to go and carry the ark of the covenant hey my goodness so when the priests carried the ark of the covenant and the Israelites saw the ark of the covenant yeah 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 the Bible says they celebrated such that the earth shook. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's how confident they were. They go, guys, you're going to... What shall we do? Meanwhile, the ark has come and they say, Yeah, my goodness! Eh? What more you that carries him inside of you? What more you that carries him inside of you? Whereby you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait and say, Lord, come on, he's, he's already inside of you. Eh? Amen and amen. Why you you carry him? And, and and henceforth everyone that needs, or rather everyone that carries the Lord, victory is your portion. No wonder the Bible actually wrote concerning you, concerning you, say you are more what than conquerors. It says if God give for them, who can be against them? Now not only is God for us, He is in us. So who shall be against us? Glory to God. So it calls you more than conquerors. Do you know why the Bible tells you to fight a good fight of faith? It says fight a good fight of faith. Why? We already know the results. They are good results. We've already won. Amen and amen. So as somebody who carries Christ in them Christ the ultimate victor that came all the way from heaven and it is written of him in Colossians chapter 2 that he spoiled powers do you know what spoiling is have you ever spoiled a toy he spoiled powers disarmed them brought them to nothing. Hebrews chapter number 2 verse 14 says, he came to destroy he that had the power of death, who is the devil. Meaning he came to bring him to nothing. Then the same one is the one that is dwelling inside of you. You should, you should, when you, you know, when, when, when you have knowledge concerning this, you should be so happy. Sometimes you can just be walking. Situations come and you Who can stand against the Lord? That's in me. No one can. No one will. You know, He's inside of you. 
And then again, like you say, Who can stand against a king? No one can. No one can. That's why you're free to sing. No, oh. I'll find you. I'll find Oh, victory belongs. He's inside of you, somebody. Hallelujah. And that's the one that dwells inside of you. No one can stand against him. No one can. Now, listen. If no one can stand against him, the same one who has said against him is in you. So, who will stand against you? You are exposed to a life of victory by virtue of this mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Number two, by virtue of this Christ living in you, you have access to authority. You have access to authority. Authority is something very, very powerful. Authority is something very, very great. It's something that you can get to use to stop certain things. That's why a police officer, by virtue of him having authority, he's able to signal cars and say stop, and they'll stop. He's able to signal cars and say pass, and they'll pass. No matter how many cars, whether they are 5,000, there's going to be a queue. Look at the traffic. Why? Because there's a man in authority that has signaled that. Hallelujah. Now, concerning the Ark of the Covenant, that was a connotation of God's presence. A time came where Israel became so difficult. It became so hostile that they their hearts were now away from the Lord. And something happened, something very, very interesting happened when Israel went for war against the Philistines. The Philistines decided to beat up Israel, not only beat up Israel, they made the mistake, they stole the Ark of the Covenant. But they did not know that this stealing was going to make them retire from professional stealing. They did not know. They made one of the biggest mistakes. They stole the Ark of the Covenant, a connotation of God's presence. Yes, even though his people had gone away, had laid astray, but remember God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. So they decided to test the authority of God and they stole the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says, read it in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter number 5, the Bible says the Philistines got the Ark of the Covenant and put the Ark of the Covenant in one of their, the temples of their idols. But then the put it in one of the temples of their idols and this idol's name was called Dagon. 
Dagon was a fish god. Dagon was the chief god, chief god of the Philistines. When we say chief, the topmost god. That's why, that's why when, when the Philistines actually captured Samson, they gave sacrifices to Dagon and said, Dagon has delivered this mighty man into our hands. So now, what they did is that they got the Ark of the Covenant and put it right next to Dagon. Yeah, Let's go there. First Samuel chapter number five. First Samuel chapter number five. I'll read it, verse 1. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Verse 2. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Okay. I don't know if they wanted communion or what. I don't know what they wanted. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon falling on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. Ah, ah, what's happening? They put Dagon here, the ark of the covenant here. The next day they found Dagon falling before the ark of the covenant. Even, even a man-made statue about even a man, it's not that Dagon, yeah, real, real. Even a man-made statue bowed, boom. Ah. Then the Bible says, they decided now to put Dagon, stand up. Stand up. So stand up. They didn't realize something. Let's read again. In verse 4, the next day, when they arose early the next morning, Dagon was fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were broken. So this time, the first time Dagon fell down, they put him up. The next day they went to check, they found Dagon down, but this time his head was broken, his hands broken. And people now began to things are bad. Now, <laughs> now why? Why the head? Why the hands? The head symbolizes authority. When his head was broken, God was declaring, you have no authority over it. No authority is greater than mine. The hands symbolize ability. Ah. And when the hands were broken, what can you do? What can you do? And this was the act of the covenant. What more the Christ that dwells in you now? What more the Christ that is living in you now? 
you carry authority and every mountain that you face you are able to look at it and say you you have no authority to stop me you have got no authority to bring me down any enemy that comes your way and tries to do all sorts of things their hands are broken why because they have no ability as compared to the God that is living in you. Have you ever wondered why it is written concerning you that greater, greater, greater is he that liveth in you than the one that lives in the world? My goodness. You are people of authority. John 1 verse 12, as many has received him, he gave them of authority, he gave them the right, he gave them the power to become sons of God. Meaning there is no son without authority. You can't become a son without authority. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I Just that status, child of God, is a danger to the kingdom of darkness. Just that status. You don't need to say, I am a archbobet or whatsoever. No, 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 no. Just that status of you being removed from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of his dear son. Your status is changed. Now you are seated with God in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians chapter number 2. And you are seated above all principalities. Power. That's why the Bible says the devil is where? Under your feet. But it did not say Notice it didn't say under your shoes. Meaning it's not under your shoes. Some of you like say, no, the devil is under your shoes. Check. No. When it says it's under your feet, it's it's not talking about it's 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 not it's it's talking about a spiritual position, meaning he's way below you. He's so far below me that if I have to step him, I can't reach because I depends depends my name. Hallelujah. That's that's the authority you carry, saints of God. By virtue of Christ living in you. And if Christ lives in you, you need to exercise that authority as a child of God. You need to exercise it. You need, you, you need to use it. You need to imagine a police officer and says, Ahine, Nina authority. No authority, but he's not he's not stopping the cars. Will the cars stop? The number beat us up. The number beat us up. And there's gonna be a lot of confusion. Until a man of authority walks and uses that authority, nothing will be obeyed. Hallelujah. So you walk and have access to authority. Now, what shall you use this authority over? And what, what are you going to use it? You're going to use it for and against anything that is in, not in line with God's will concerning your life. Anything that is not in line 
with the word of God. You're going to exercise that authority. That's why the Bible says, this was the reason the Son of Man was made manifest, that he may destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, use that authority. And number three, the mystery of Christ living in you gives you access to empowerment. gives you access to empowerment. One thing you realize concerning the Ark of the Covenant is that by that Ark of the Covenant, there was a certain uh, place that you could actually put the, 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 the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were written on tablets. And so the Ark of the Covenant had a provision Okay, it had a provision to have those tablets put in the Ark of the Covenant. And then man was taught to live by these things. How are you sure? Guys, do I just stand? When someone just coughs and it's broken all of them. It, it was that easy, that's what I mean. They were just ten. Ten. Do not do this, do not do this. Hey! And it, it was so interesting. These same people who were called the people of God, they would break the, the, what, what, was, what was actually written. They would break the commandments. It seemed like they lacked empowerment whatsoever. But God says, don't worry, I know I'm with you. But I'm going to change things. I'm going to change things and when I change my address, when I come to you, this time the law of God will not be used on tablets. This time I'm going to write it on your hearts. I'm going to write it on your hearts. That's why Ezekiel chapter number 37, rather chapter 30, Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 27, I'll quickly read it. It says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Meaning there was something that was missing. When it says, I will put my spirit inside of you and cause and cause and cause and cause and cause. Meaning for you to do God's law, for you to do what is in line with God's will, there's an empowerment that comes from God's spirit. An empowerment. There it was, you find, uh, uh, they are giving them, okay, do this. But yeah, yeah, they are water. They will do other things. Do not touch, that's when they will touch. Do not eat, that's what they will eat. Just when you just review the law, that's what they will do. Do not jump, they will jump. Do not sit, that's what they will sit. They will be charming. I'm just telling you this and they are doing other things. So he put his spirit. So this time, concerning the law, concerning things that involve God, you are not doing it in your own strength. The Bible says he's causing you to walk holy. He's causing you to walk a righteous way. He's causing you to live by the standards of God. It is not by your empowerment. It is by God's empowerment. So don't say, give me time, because it's not in your strength. 
Give me time. Who are you training? God? No, it's not every principle of the world that should apply to a believer. Yeah, I use this word there. Just tap your neighbor and say, it's okay, it's okay. Please, what's a carry pump change? Let's see What's a good album? Because I'm the second album. So there's an empowerment of the spirit. That's why Titus chapter number 2, verse 11, talks about, talks about uh, 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 God's spirit training us. He says, the grace of the Lord has appeared to all men for the salvation of sin and for our deliverance. Who trains us? Meaning, it's saying God trains us to say no. He says, God trains us to say no in this present world. Meaning, God actually realizes that this world is evil. He actually realizes that this world has got a lot of decay. But because of the grace of the Lord, which is in us, he empowers us, he trains us to say no to certain things. Hallelujah. There are certain things you've got to say no. Why? Because saying no is an empowerment. Tell your neighbor, saying no that is an empowerment. If you caught it, you caught it. If you didn't, if you didn't. Yeah. Number four. The benefits of this mystery, Christ living in you, is that there there was and there is a relationship transition. I'll explain when I say a relationship transition. Have you observed when God when God dwelt amongst men, when God dwelt amongst the people, it's quite interesting that even though he dwelt amongst them, this was a relationship. He says to them, they shall say, You are my God. And I'll say, You are my people. As he told amongst them. But when Jesus came, he told his disciples, When I send the one who's coming, when he was saying that thing which was needed gymnastics, when, when I send the one who's coming, he will live with you and he will be with you. And he will be in you. Then he said this He says, Don't worry, I will not leave you as orphans. Orphans. He says, I will come to you. Why are you talking about orphans? Why are you talking about orphans? What are the things, what is, what, in short, what relationships do orphans lack? Parental. They need a mother, they need a father. But when these people of God, why should you say about orphans? He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. That's why Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, You, you will not receive the spirit of fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. And by that spirit, 
you now cry out and say, Father, Abba, Father. The relationship has changed there. It's not that now you are called my God, my people. Now it's my father, my son, my daughter, my oh my goodness. Hey! Because of Christ living inside. Now have a father. So in short, it is impossible for the believer to be fatherless. It is impossible for a believer to be an orphan. That's a status a believer will never achieve. It is impossible because God says, I will not, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. so beautiful because when your relationship has changed from just people to son it means there's a qualification for something and and and, and colossians chapter number one verse 12 says now you have been qualified to receive an inheritance By virtue of your relationship changing, there's a qualification, meaning there's a new access that you have, which people do not have, which sons can only have. The Bible calls this inheritance. It says you've been qualified to experience and receive, to walk in the inheritance. Why? Because you're a son now. Fathers only leave things for sons, not for people. There's no inheritance for people. That's why you're not going to write a will for your neighbor. No, but uh, we, we, it has to take someone to die. Yes, that's why 2,000 years ago someone died. Ah, you missed that. <laughs> so it's effective. It's effective. That work. Years ago, he died, but then because he's got the power to put back his life again, just don't worry. I don't know if heavenly things don't work like the world. Now, okay, the will is at work now, working as I'm watching you, my life, and again, I'm living in you. Have you ever wondered? Why the Bible says you've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Inheritance. It's different when you say, my people, my father. Sometimes, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this. You have to also un- you have to understand this relationship of you being a son of God. It's different from you being a people of God. Because for the people of God, there are certain things that they need to do actually to provoke God. For the people of God, it's call unto me. 
So if you haven't got unto him, there's no answer. You, because you are his son, and he has, marry, the father will come. Who's caught my daughter? It's different, why? Because for you, protection is not, it's, it's, it's not a transaction, but it is an obligation. See, business. It's it's, it's, it's not like a security company, Yashahalam. No. No. Him, he sees. He sees. Eh, that's my child. Okay. Let me show you. Let me show you. He arises. After he arises, he will wake. Pastor She. Because he has seen a tool of Pastor She. He has seen a zero one. And that's why Pastor She is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Any spirit that has risen up to fight against the people of God, I decree and declare spiritual calamities in the name of Jesus. They are protected, they are preserved in the name of Jesus. What is he doing? He's using me as a sword. So the Bible says you have battle axe. Through me. Let me not talk about so many things. Do you know? Ask your neighbor. Ziva. Kuzenko neighbor, we are Kalazi Maningi. We move to Muziva. Glory to God. Beautiful relation. It's a beautiful thing to have the Lord. We call him Father. I'll tell you one thing. I don't know how it is with your relationship with God, but for me, majority time I've interacted with the Lord. He's always calling me son, 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 son. A few times, prophet, prophet. You tell me, those are the sun. I don't know how you hear God, some of you. The Archbishop of, of the Heavenly Realms International, the Overseer of every air that you breathe. I don't know. That's how you hear God. He comes with an introduction. The one I have chosen, only you carries this mantle. This mandate, no oil huh? is sufficient. Only yours. Only yours. Then he says, Actually, I want to tell you something. Hmm. I don't know how you hear. I say, Son, I say, Papa. Son, Papa. If you want to get Daddy. You can say, Daddy. You can say, I don't know, uh, Papito. Papito. Uh, uh, the privilege saints of God you all have the privilege to go that's why the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord actually makes you call him Abba father sometimes you just go to my daddy huh? there are times you, you you definitely need a father to talk to there are times you go and cry for him hey Nichani have you noticed when you when you if you're, yeah, yeah, when you're young, 
if, if you do it, I don't know. But yeah, when you are young, you would cry, Daddy. The child you will woolly like a you will come back and you will just be crying. And so okay, 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 come, 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 push up, push up, push up, push up, push up, push up. The father understands it. You can do that to the Lord. You don't even have to say he knows already that you are hurt. Just go and don't even don't talk so much. Just go before him. After all, I'm He's holding you there. He's holding you there. That's why you, in your relationship with God, you see, it's not only you ministering to Him, He also gets to minister to you. you have, this, there was a time I spent more than three hours, God just ministering to me. I was quiet. Quiet. And He's just ministering to me. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying. But there was a problem. Before I entered, I was frustrated. Something like I have enjoyed it. But, but when I came out, oh, I felt like I wanted to hug everyone. I said, oh my goodness. What do you think Oh, wonderful. That's what God, I'm telling you, that's, that's the transformation God brings. You feel like giving everyone all your money. No, do you have a house? Do you have a house? No, we can work things out. Do you have a job? No, I can talk to someone. We can connect you. Ah, my father, my father. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Make use of that relationship. And I believe there's a reason why I'm still hanging on this point. It's because God is calling out for his sons and daughters and saying, I'm here for you. Why are you why are you running away? Stop those stop running to those false fathers. What Facebook who can't wipe your tears? They are broken. Boom, status updates. I'm broken. You even have what are the broken you are sure? Feeling low. Hashtag and, and then you tag us at with 72 others. We are not part of that brokenness. Run to the Lord. All the time it takes to tag 72 others. Why can't you run to the Lord? Reach out to the Lord. Some of you have been unfriended because of the same target target. God really loves you and he's reaching out to you. And that's why he makes statements like, I have loved you with an everlasting love. What is he trying to say? He's saying what you do and what you're going to do will not change his decision about loving you. Hallelujah. What does he say? He says, what can separate you from the love of God? He says, is it fear? Is it death? Is it an angel? He says, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you. Not even you yourself. Enjoy this relationship of Christ living inside of you. Because you have access to a father 
a father who works a father who is available a father who hears a father who speaks a father who comforts a father who touches a father who glorifies a father who blesses a father who goes with you for there's none from me to you to you so just lean on me i'll stick with you don't you ever worry oh there's nothing hard for me i'm near you with you Last point, number five. There are so many points I can give, but I'll just end there. Number five. This mystery of Christ living inside of you gets to change your position in life. Gets to change your position in life. I'll read a scripture, very interesting, in the book of Colossians, chapter number one, verse eight, 18. The Bible says this. It says, he is the head of his body, the church. And he is the source of the body's life. Wow. He is the firstborn son who was raised from the dead. And in order that he alone might have first place in all things. So this scripture is actually talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Now imagine, see how it's actually bringing things. It's saying, number one, he is the head of the body, meaning he's the head of the church. It's first. Then he says, he is the source of the body's life. Again, he's first. Then number two, he says, he is the firstborn from the dead. Then it goes on to say, in order that he alone might have first place someone say first place first place in all things he's the head of the body he's the source of the body's life he is the firstborn or rather he's the firstborn from the dead someone will say mm, how is jesus the firstborn from the from, from the dead because there are so many people who died now lazarus and now before him so how is he the firstborn it's not talking about natural death, it's talking about spiritual death. <laughs> yeah. He's the firstborn. He's the first one that was separated from the Lord and then came back unto the Lord. Number one. Number one. So he came to you and said, My brother. And then afterwards, now you are the one. After he came to the Lord, then the Lord gave him a name. Then through him again, that name, <laughs> you are saved. So now that you receive him, you come number two, number three. I don't know about you, but I'm the last born. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> no, I'm not the last born. Obviously, there are, there are more to come. Hallelujah. Now, now the Bible says that through all this, that he might have first place, meaning there's a certain standard, there's a certain, there's a certain reality 
that Jesus achieves. And that's his position is being first. But with such a reality of coming out first, the one who is first cannot live in a body and that body becomes last. Meaning by virtue of, of Jesus, the first, living in you, he has set a standard for which you must walk in. First position in school, first in business, first in society, first in all things, first. Not that, no, as children of God, we need to be humble, we're not supposed to uh, uh, have money, shashani. If you hear people like that, tell them to be more You don't know. There's a demand for me to walk first. And whoever said what wants you poor is a bit, is a life of the pit of hell. Doesn't the Bible say that Jesus became poor? That what you might be rich. Now, which, <laughs> and you have to understand that his working was a place of exchange, meaning the riches that he's talking about are the riches that Jesus himself actually has. That's the demand he wants for you. How rich is Jesus? Yo! Bank balance, all things. That's my bank balance. All things. Someone is saying, yeah. Yo, I think he. <laughs> but oh, Upaga, Upaga, oh, should be replaced as a letter O. Eh, zero things. Eh. No, 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 no. By virtue of Christ living in you, there is already an empowerment to become first. There is already an empowerment. Is an empowerment and a proof of empowerment. Look at Daniel. How 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 is it possible that Daniel is picked amongst intelligent people in the whole nation? But the Bible says he's intelligent amongst the intelligent, not amongst the people or dull people. No, it says he. It shows that he was intelligent amongst the intelligent, meaning he was amongst earthly men. He he was the best among us, the best. And then the Bible goes on to say, the Bible goes on to say, uh, uh, there was a time when they were training them, they told them to begin to eat meat. Daniel said, in essence, that meat, I'm going to be a vegetarian. I'm going to eat vegetables. Thank God for Daniel. Yeah, but he says, I'm going to be a, a vegetarian. He ate vegetables. And the Bible says, he looked more healthier and bigger than the people who ate meat. Give me those veggies, I want them. I surely know it's not katapa. Impua. Eggplants. I'm not trying to say veggies that I don't like. No. What's my point? There's a certain empowerment that God gives 
that can actually make you become first in life. A certain empowerment that God gives that can actually make you excel in your studies. A certain empowerment that God can give you that can make you excel in business. A certain empowerment that God can give you that makes you excel in wisdom. Why? Because he that takes this place lives in you. That's your position. And so there should be a certain way you need to think about yourself. You are different. And I thank God I've given this message on the first day of March so that you can begin to think positively and greatly towards your journey throughout the whole year. Hallelujah. You've got to realize and understand that you have God Christ in you, the one that gives you victory. You've got to realize that you've got Christ in you, the one who gives you access to authority. You've got to understand that you have Christ living in you, the one who gives you access to, to, to reach higher heights, the one who changes your relationship. I'm telling you, even though I have given you five points, the ultimate mystery of Christ is that Christ is the all-in-one blessing. Meaning when you need healing, he is the healer. When you need deliverance, he is the deliverer. When you need breakthrough, he is the breaker. When you need prosperity, he is the prosperer. When you need comfort, he is the comforter. When you need an elevation, he is the elevator. When you need justice, he is the mighty judge. He is the all-in-one blessing. Imagine all blessings wrapped up together and placed in one man called Jesus Christ. The all-in-one blessing. And that all-in-one blessing chooses me and you and says, you shall be my home. You shall be my permanent dwelling place. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will not go anywhere. You I have chosen. You are mine. And I am yours. Hallelujah. What a blessing to have Christ in us. so interesting that the Bible doesn't only talk about us or Christ in us there is another mystery that it reveals called we in Christ but that's for another day that's right for another day.